Hello, listeners, and welcome to another episode of Perspectives by Women in Securities Finance. We are excited to have you join us today for this podcast, as it is the start of a series of podcasts that we will be releasing over the coming weeks, featuring several of our leaders of Women in Securities Finance, bringing you their origin stories of how they found their way into this industry. We're also lucky to have them share some great advice for women just starting their professional careers. I'm Brooke Gilman, and I'm a proud member of Women in Securities Finance. I'm also one of the co-leads for the Boston chapter. I am a managing director with ESEC Lending and the global head of our client relationship management team. I have had the special role to be able to produce this podcast with all the other chapter leads of Women in Securities Finance, which has been a great experience because it's allowed me to get to know each and every one of them a little bit better. And I am also very proud to be able to call all of these amazing women, both colleagues as well as good friends. So today, I'm thrilled to be kicking this podcast off on International Women's Day by heading up to Toronto, where we're going to speak with both Mary Jane Schusler from BMO Capital Markets and Roanna Kim from RBC Capital Markets. Mary Jane and Roanna are two inspiring women, and today we get to hear how they both got started in the securities finance industry and the importance that they placed on networking and making connections, which ultimately also led them to their relationship with one another. So first, we're going to start off with Mary Jane, and Mary Jane is a director of equity finance at BMO Capital Markets, and in this position, she gets to support BMO's prime brokerage platform covering hedge funds, pension plans, and the broker-dealer community, while also collaborating internally to improve their product offering. Mary Jane has woven quite a unique career path and has made some pretty bold moves to get where she is today. So let's hear how Mary Jane found her way into this industry. Over to you, MJ. I began my career in securities lending basically right out of school. I didn't know I was starting a career in securities lending, but that is where I started. I was doing a mid-office role, and it did take me some time to figure out exactly where I fit in the value chain in terms of I was working for a custodian. And in starting my job, I certainly didn't know the entire securities lending value chain, and I didn't really understand exactly what a custodian was. So that took some time. And once I did, I thought, wow, this is very interesting. It took me some time to learn all the pieces. And I wanted to learn more as I started to unravel the value chain. It was interesting to me that there was this whole other side to a trade that I didn't really appreciate while I was learning the pieces in school. I didn't appreciate how it played out in practice. And so Early on, I decided this is something I would like to explore more. I had told a senior gentleman at the firm I was working for that I wanted to move up or move on, which at the time was maybe a tad aggressive. And he looked at me and said, you know, cool your jets there, 25-year-old, you'll get your time. And then lo and behold, four months later, someone in the front office in Australia had quit and I was able to get that role. And that was basically what started me in a front office role. It was a great experience. I was able to travel. I was able to expand my relationships. I was able to learn multiple markets, which was an amazing experience. And then similar process happened again, where I was looking to come back to Toronto and thought, you know, it was time maybe to come home and a role opened up in Toronto. And so I was lucky enough to come back to the quote unquote mothership. I was working for RBC and that was where their head office was. So it was great to come back to Canada. I spent quite a few years then on the desk in Toronto and made some progressions there as well. So after spending a few years on the Toronto Lending Desk, I did continue with that same organization and took on more responsibilities and brought into my role. I became the desk head for the Securities Lending Desk in Toronto, which was a challenge at a young age. And it was a challenge just in the current environment. It was 
2008. And, you know, there was obviously a lot going on in the market. It was a great experience for me. And I actually thought I would spend most of my career or all of my career at RBC. I didn't really ever think about leaving until after I had three children and thought, hmm, wow, I still have a lot of working years left. And now I have three children to pay for. So what else can I do? And a friend of mine that works at BMO was speaking to me and we got talking and he sort of said, you know, would you ever consider leaving RBC? And although I didn't really think about leaving, it certainly sparked my interest. And we got talking and then lo and behold, six months later, he offered me a role within BMO. So I made that move and that was three years ago now already, which is crazy. I would say I don't want to advocate for leaving roles, but if you're looking for more of a challenge and looking to broaden your career, definitely either within your own firm or elsewhere, plant the seed, put it out there, have the conversations. Although you might think you'll never leave or you might think you can't do another job. I have learned to plant the seed and have those conversations because they don't always turn out how you expect. And I'm grateful for the opportunity that I've been given. And I'm loving my new role at BMO. You know, there's a lot going on at BMO right now. We're growing our U.S. prime brokerage business. I work within a small team in Toronto, the equity finance team, and we get to do a lot of different transactions, different from a typical custodian. Starting a new job after being within the industry for 15 years and created a certain reputation and I was leading a team, it was a change for me to move to BMO. I wasn't leading a team anymore and I was working with a smaller team and being a part of that team. So having to go back to more of a day-to-day job, which was definitely a challenge from a work-life balance standpoint with three young kids at home. It was a challenge in terms of The transactions didn't just go one way like a custodian. There was lots of different avenues and lots of different trading desks within BMO because I was a part of Capital Markets now that I had to answer to and provide knowledge. So there was definitely a learning curve and there was days where I thought, oh my God, what did I do and how am I going to be able to survive in this role? But again, asking questions and having the support of a good team definitely made it a lot easier. So MJ, what advice would you give someone who is maybe scared to make such a bold career move like you did when you relocated across the world to move to Australia in order to advance your career forward? The one thing I always would tell people after I came back is that before you think about going somewhere, especially for a year, two years, three years, is that it seems like a daunting amount of time. But after you do the three years, it is crazy how fast time goes and don't ever think about it as a long time because it is just crazy how quickly and before you know it, we've been in the industry for almost 20 years. Thank you so much, Mary Jane. I loved your move up or move on mantra. I also think that your advice on asking questions and having the support of a good team, it's so crucial. And you're right, it makes a huge difference and much easier to transition into a new role. So thanks again, MJ. And now I'm pleased to introduce you to Rihanna Kim with RBC Capital Markets. She is a director in their equity finance team within the central funding group at RBC. And she joined RBC in 2018. But as you will hear from her today, she has a tremendous amount of experience prior to that, which led her to the opportunity where she is today. So Rihanna, please share with our listeners your career story. I've been in the financial industry for 20 years with 17 of those years in global markets. Previously to RBC, I was at State Street Bank and Trust for 15 years. 
and this is very likely dating myself, but before the days of LinkedIn, it was quite common to hit the streets with copies of your resume under your arm. As I was nearing graduation, I used my best stationery and distributed my resume all over Bay Street over several weeks, which I remember having this conversation with somebody about handing out physical resumes and going up to every HR office at every (laughs) big building and handing them out. And they were like, what are you talking about? Like, it's so easy now with LinkedIn where you just talk about your experiences and basically advertise yourself. So from there, like Safe Street picked me up in their custody accounting area. And there I started and suffered for a few years, (laughs) pushing paper and picking numbers. I would say securities finance found me and not the other way around. I was no different than everyone else out there. I just wanted to be on a trading desk by any means possible. So when an opening came up in the State Street Global Markets area, I jumped all over it. They certainly didn't sugarcoat the job description at all. It definitely sounded like grueling donkey work, but I didn't care. I jumped at it. I went for it. And somehow I got the position and loved it. I loved what I was learning. Everything was so new. It was just so interesting. You know, everything that I was hoping for is the fast paced learning the camaraderie in the room and certainly wasn't a big trading floor at Sage Street. It was quite a small room and probably about 15 people at most between prime brokerage and FX and securities lending all together, but it was such a great team. So I was on that lending desk for eight years and focused on lending portfolios for the Canadian beneficial owners in the agency lending program. The clients we service represented large family foundations, mutual funds, to one of the largest pension funds in Canada, investment managers across the country. So it was quite a great experience and fantastic exposure, at least, to work with these caliber of clients. So after a while, I ended my time at Sage Street after actually four and a half years on the sales and business development side. I had moved over from trading to go and service the beneficial owners directly. So there, I think it was a great experience because it was more intimately involved with the clients and able to provide them with my past execution perspective, which was beneficial for both of us. It was great to see their perspective and on how they make their decisions on moving their portfolios. And it was great for them to see that through the cause and effect of what they do. So at that point, I was about 12 years in sec finance at State Street. And I felt like I was at a crossroad at that point. I know I had experience on both the trade and the client side. I had just got a promotion to match my manager's level, which was great. And now I was just sitting back assessing what was next for me. And to be honest, I think I knew that there wasn't much room for me to grow where I was at the time, just because it wasn't sort of the mothership, as MJ said, you know, our head office was in Boston, and we were sort of a sister satellite out of Toronto. So kind of stepped back and assessed where I was going in my career. But I actually made the difficult choice to leave the industry altogether. And it was really tough, like that transition from being busy and working all the time to quitting and walking away. And I felt like I was going into waves of panic <laughs> throughout those two and a half years. I took that hiatus and had no idea what was about to come next. Thankfully, around that two-and-a-half-year mark, I found a program through Women in Capital Markets called the Return to Bay Street Program. It's a great program for women to what they call relaunch their careers so they don't lose their experience or skill set from when they left the industry. So I was lucky enough to be 
chosen as one of the recipients of that award and joined RBC full-time on the equity finance desk. So I've been at RBC now for about three years. (laughs) Time goes by quite quickly. I definitely have enjoyed the experience so far. I feel like, especially in the securities finance world, I've had the agent lender trade side. I've been able to interact with the clients on the beneficial owner side, and now I'm sort of getting this side at the broker-dealer. So I feel like this has really completed a lot of the missing puzzle pieces for me. And I feel like every day I'm learning something new and at the same time feel what we've discussed over the last year with imposter syndrome and feel like maybe I don't belong or I don't know enough or things like that. There's always that doubt lurking in the background. Where I am now is just assessing all the skill sets that I have and what I can do going forward, what I feel I might be missing that I can really look to enhance to get to the next level. It's constant learning for me, I think, but it feels like when I look back and kind of summarize it this way, I feel very dated. <laughs> it's old. like It's been a long road, but I learned a lot. During those two and a half years, before I found that Return to Bay Street program, I was just where I could just trying to keep up with my network. It could be simply just, hey, I'm here, you know, I'm not completely gone. I'm still interested. I think for me, it was really time for me to assess whether I wanted to move forward in securities finance, if there were skill sets or anything that I could utilize to transfer to any other area. I'm kind of exploring that as well. It was difficult. Like I would say over those two and a half years, I went through several other job interviews, other opportunities to try to see where I can place myself. And the pressure was on to try to find that perfect fit. And it was just, if I'm going to do this, if I'm going to have a huge pivot in my career, it has to be perfect. And I think there's never that perfect scenario. What I found that at the time I didn't realize was just the importance of the network that you have and that you develop over the years, I think I really grew to appreciate it when I came back. People remember you. People remember your name. People remember their interactions with you. Like I think if I were to just give one piece of advice, just be a good human. Be nice. <laughs> you know, you never know when that will come to help you later on in your career. Or it's just nice to be nice, I think. And people are a lot more willing to help you out. And it was just great. I had such a great network to try to help me get back, make introductions where I could. And it was really difficult. Like there was definitely times where my confidence level was just completely shot. Like I just thought I made a huge mistake. Why didn't I just keep working and try to find a job that way? This was, to be honest, like quitting altogether was basically to kick myself in the rear end and just say like, listen, if I keep working and I think that I'm going to find that job and find that perfect scenario, it's difficult. You just kind of prolong it. Whereas if you are able to walk away from it, it motivates you more and helps you focus. This program, like I said, I had been on different job interviews before I had found this program, but part of this career relaunch, the organization helps you do these mock job interviews because presumably these women who have left the industry have not been on a job interview for years. And I was at Stacia for 15 years, and interviewing internally is much different than interviewing for a different job externally or for a role completely different to what you're doing. So that skill set, I didn't realize, was extremely rusty or non-existent. (laughs) 
And it's interesting how in your mind you think you know exactly what to do or say in these scenarios. But when you're in these scenarios, it's such a different experience. Thanks, Rana. I especially loved your story of hitting the streets of Toronto with your resume in hand before the convenience of LinkedIn was in our lives. I'm also a firm supporter of your advice just to be a good human and be nice. It definitely gets you further in life, and I wholeheartedly agree with that. And so part of the reason why we wanted to start with MJ and Rana for this first episode in this podcast series is to show the importance of networking, and especially when women network with one another and support one another in their careers. I had the opportunity to ask MJ and Marana how they met and how they started off as competitors, but then became the best of friends and trusted peer colleagues. Here's their story. Years ago, I had heard through the trader that I had worked with at State Street, and he had worked out of Boston and actually moved out to our Australia desk. And I remember getting a ping from him saying, I just met this woman from INTS and she's such a great time. You would really love her. I hope one day that you guys could meet. And he had told me her name was Mary Jane Schisler and she's from Toronto and you guys would get along really great. And I thought, yeah, yeah, okay. Competitor would never meet her. She's out in Australia. And how many years later, MJ, did you come back to Toronto? It was probably two years after that. And then I think we saw each other a couple of times at some random events. And then, yeah, lo and behold, we're pregnant at the same time and doing baby dates. And then now working very closely on a ton of things. It was great because years ago, the Toronto community isn't that vast. And especially with other females on the street, it was just so great to connect with you and especially being on mat leave together with our kids being the same age, first-time moms. It was such a great connection that we had, but also recognizing we were competitors, which was always sort of a joke between us as well, right? (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty awesome how we don't really think much of a relationship when it starts sometimes, but, you know, those end up being the most meaningful and the ones that are there for you 20 years later. I'm so glad that we can partner up to do this and expand our network and in our community here with other females and other young females starting out. I think what this group is doing is so great and I'm so glad to be a part of it with you. Agreed. All right. Well, thank you again, MJ and Rana. Thank you so much. We really appreciate you both sharing your stories and we're very excited to bring our listeners more of these inspiring stories from other leaders of women in securities finance in the weeks to come. If you're not already an avid listener of this podcast, please don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're interested in reaching out to women in securities finance, or perhaps would like to star in your own podcast, please connect with us on LinkedIn or visit women in securities finance website. And we'd love to hear from you. Thank you for listening. Have a great day.